Hey everyone, it's me again. I know I just released an episode, and it was a rather long one at that. But there was another show idea I had, and I didn't want the clip I want to discuss to go stale, figuratively speaking. Uh, I happened to be watching The Drunken Peasants a few days back, and they had a very interesting guest on. I believe his name is uh, Doug... Tenaple or Tenaple? Uh, Tenaple, I think. Actually, the uh, the creator of Earthworm Jim. And I believe he also did the voice for Earthworm Jim. Um, see, he seems like a really cool guy. This kind of a reverent sense of humor. Not easily offended. E- able to uh, joke around with the peasants, etc. And then, as the uh, episode went on, his religious views came to light. And he's a really religious guy. Um, We're talking uh, possibly a young earther. Uh, We're talking someone who apparently doubts the reality of evolution. Um, So... I was watching this, and it was one of those things, kind of like when I used to watch theist versus atheist debates back in the day, and it was just like wishing I could just jump through the screen and add my two cents. Um, There's so many things I wanted to respond to while I was watching this. I was almost going to call it a debate, but it was kind of like a back and forth between uh, Doug and uh, Ben, one of the hosts of The Drunken Peasants. So I'll just play it. And I'll comment as I go along. Oh yeah, and I should mention that in general, episodes of The Drunken Peasants tend to be about about two hours to three hours long. I just excised the parts that I was interested in in responding to and kind of stitched them all together. So uh, the whole file is about... 40 minutes long. <laughs> and given my tendency to uh, to meander and be long-winded, we could be looking at at least an hour-long episode here. <laughs> at least. So uh, here we go. Guys, I have mercy on me. I'm trying to get 8,000 subscribers with all these guys, like hundreds <laughs> of thousands of subscribers. Go you to Doug Tenable and just... Build my self-image. I'll present the gospel, and you'll all unsubscribe anyways. But, you know. Yeah, I love your gospel stuff. I love watching you argue with evolution guys on Twitter. Like, not in a sarcastic way, either, because they do melt down. Yeah. Uh, it's I love it. Yeah, they completely lose it. I'm always like, I don't believe in evolution. So, like, culture just has them, like, going, what? <laughs> what? So, do you not believe no. in any evolution oh, at all? <laughs> okay. And that other guy, if you're watching the YouTube version, about three windows down on the left, that's Dick Masterson, I believe, uh, a pretty big YouTuber. Uh, but to be honest, I wasn't familiar with him until um, the Drunken Peasant started mentioning him. And I believe he's kind of lo- well famous or infamous for being locked in this feud with another big content creator or YouTuber named uh, Maddox, I believe. So they're the creator of uh, Earthworm Jim, uh, Doug to Naple, hopefully I'm not butchering that, is already talking in a half-joking way about how he doesn't believe in evolution. Um, and, and it's really odd because, I mean, I've covered 
creationists so much on my show over the years that I'm not surprised, sadly, by people who doubt the validity of evolution or the uh, theory of evolution. I'll put theory in air quotes because people tend to think that when people say the theory of evolution, they mean theory in the kind of lay or uh, vernacular or casual sense. But theory in the scientific sense, we're talking theory in the sense of the theory of gravity or the theory of, or, or the germ theory of disease. I believe it's been said that that the certainty of evolution is pretty much on par with the certainty of gravity. And uh, there's probably a bunch of flat earthers out there who will probably say, well, that's because gravity doesn't exist. But I'm, I'm talking to you sane people out there that uh, we know so much scientifically about evolution that's pretty much on par with, uh, with gravity as far as um, the level of certainty that scientists have about its validity. But uh, let's continue. All like, um, uh, well, now we're going to go into all this crap. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, I believe in my microevolution. So I believe there's a capacity in the DNA for like finch beaks to grow and shrink. That is technically evolution, but it's so, my And um, yeah, so he uses the term microevolution, which is something you hear come out of the mouths of, of a lot of uh, creationists. And that's where they try to draw this dichotomy between what they call microevolution and macroevolution. Micro being little changes, you know, maybe the difference between wolves and, and uh, domestic dogs, or like he was saying, uh, changes in the size of a finch's beak or something. Uh, so they'll, they'll try to like, they'll cling to that, but then they'll reject macroevolution. The idea that changes can accumulate to the point where eventually you you end up having a different species an animal that's so drastically different from its original common ancestor or whatever yeah i'm just looking at wikipedia yeah i know i know it says microevolution is the change in allele frequencies that occur over time within a population this change is due to four different processes or processes mutation selection, natural and artificial, gene flow, and genetic drift. This change happens over a relatively short, in evolutionary terms, amount of time compared to the changes termed macroevolution, which is where greater differences in the population occur. And here's a definition of macroevolution. Yeah, it says macroevolution is evolution on a scale at or above the level of species, in contrast with microevolution, which refers to smaller evolutionary changes of allele frequencies. Yeah, and I already went over that. So if small changes are possible, yeah. are, I mean, wouldn't enough small changes over a long enough period of time also be possible? And then we're talking about big changes? And that person... Uh, talking sense there is Ben, uh, one of the hosts of the Drunken Peasants. The two main hosts now are Ben and Billy, Billy the Fridge. Uh, back in the day, the Drunken Peasants was uh, comprised of Ben, uh, TJ Kirk, a.k.a. the Amazing Atheist, his brother Scotty, and their friend Paul. But there was some kind of falling out or difference in artistic vision, and they ended up splitting. Ben stayed, and the rest of the guys formed uh, the Deep Fat Fried podcast. Yeah, 
possible, but the problem is the idea that like colliding matter, like colliding DNA, mutating, and what it has to do is create information. Okay, you have to create information from something more basic to something more complex. That's just kind of common sense difficult to get my head around. And I don't really see what his problem is there. If uh, I understand why people wrestle with abiogenesis, which is still something of a, of a mystery. And uh, that it's basically a fancy word you guys are probably already familiar for life coming from inorganic matter, the shift from inorganic matter to organic life. Um, but evolution focuses on once life is already on the scene and then the way life kind of develops and changes, etc. Um, abiogenesis, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to wrap your head around. I've heard all sorts of proposed ideas about how abiogenesis could have occurred. One I think I heard has to do with, uh, crystals somehow becoming more and more complex and something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's something scientists are still trying to get to the bottom of. But the idea of, I mean, he calls it colliding particles, uh, but the idea of DNA replication, um, changes to DNA, things like that, uh, I don't see why that's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, everything is basically composed of uh, chemicals and chemical interactions are all around us. Uh, so I don't know why the idea of changes occurring in DNA or uh, why he has, why he takes issue with the idea of changes occurring on a uh, a molecular level, uh, why, why that bothers him, I, I don't know. So there's changes, right? Right. And then there's creating complex structures from a from an animal that barely is like a protein string. Well, evolution to never actually stops. Everything is constantly evolving, whether that be mutation, natural selection, artificial selection. So everything is in a constant state of change. And when you talk Great. about the... Well, okay. How old do you think the Earth is? Okay, I'll just stop him there for a minute. And I want to say, like, Ben is a smart guy, but I was really impressed with uh, his understanding of evolution and his ability to kind of calmly argue the facts in a clear and coherent way. As I'm listening to this back, it almost makes me want to say, why am I doing this episode? <laughs> ben already did a pretty good job of, uh, of responding to... Um, Doug here, but anyway, that and that's something I'm I'm really open on. I'm okay with it. I'm, I tend to lean toward an old Earth, you know, okay. hundreds and hundreds of millions of ideas. I'm okay with a young Earth, but I'm just not. I'm not. So I misspeak all the time. He probably meant hundreds of millions of years. He said hundreds and millions of ideas. I'm just picturing hundreds of millions of ideas inside my head. I'm already so neurotic with so many things bouncing around in my skull. What would that be like? Anyway. But I'm just not, I'm not convinced either way. So I, I lean old earther and there's nothing wrong with that. But the evolution thing is different. The idea that given the law of entropy and things just kind of breaking down over time, does information come into DNA through mere reproduction and adaptation is my question. And that's the thing I have a real tough time getting my head around. That a, that a wolf over long periods of times like hangs around in the shores 
and slowly gets more and more benefits for living farther out in the water until he becomes a whale over hundreds of millions yeah. of years. I just don't believe there's enough time in the world to present. That's just bizarre. Yeah, so I, I was just looking online. I found this BBC article, and it's entitled, How Do We Know That Evolution Is Really Happening? Evolution is one of the greatest theories in all of science. It sets out to explain life, specifically how the first simple life gave rise to all the huge diversity we see today, from bacteria to oak trees to blue whales. For And this is actually what I was just saying. Uh, for scientists, evolution is a fact. We know that life evolved with the same certainty that we know the Earth is roughly spherical. Was it technically an oblate spheroid or something? Uh, that gravity keeps us on it and that wasps are... And that wasps at a picnic are annoying. Uh -huh, okay, that was worse than one of my jokes. <laughs> I think. Um, then even though, I mean, Darwin was active during the 19th century and... Uh, scientists don't necessarily agree with him on everything. There may have been some things he was mistaken about, but still his general theory, you know, is still pretty damn solid. So it talks about Darwin's theory of evolution. Uh, Darwin's theory of evolution says that each new organism is subtly different from its parents. And these differences can sometimes help the offspring or impede it. As organisms compete for food and mates, those with advantageous traits produce more offspring, while those with unhelpful traits may not produce any. So within a given population, advantageous traits become common, and unhelpful ones disappear. And uh, another re reason why I pause it there is because he's saying something about wolves evolving into whales. And I know that it's thought that the ancestors of whales may have um, come onto land and gone back into the water multiple times, etc. Um, you know, eventually made their way on land, became land animals, may have eventually uh, went back into the water, etc. I thought I had always heard that it was some kind of ungulate-like animal, some kind of hoofed animal. Uh, he's saying wolf. I, I thought... Uh, it's thought that the ancestor of the cetaceans was probably more like some kind of cow or hoofed-like thing. Uh, let's see. Okay, yeah, so I googled it, and uh, BBC News again, <laughs> okay, uh, when whales walk the land, it says, scientists say the creatures were a missing link between primitive hoofed mammals and the whale family. The wolf-sized animals ran about on land 50 million years ago. So wolf-sized, maybe he heard something similar, and that's where he got wolf in his head. Or, well, well you know, it, it, that is bizarre, but that's not actually, that's not actually how they would say evolution works. Um, it, that, it, but that is what science says, is that, is that the, a whale-like animal came from a wolf-like animal. Like animals. So, so imagine like the nose benefiting a wolf for being a little higher on his head like it, it's so ad adaptive I mean, every, so uh, every so he's still sticking with the wolf thing but one thing I think he does have right is that it is thought that the ancestor of the whale that you know as this creature evolved um, the nasal opening would have continued to to move up higher and higher through the process of evolution 
uh, natural selection, and eventually will become the cetacean's blowhole. I think, right? The animal on Earth came from originally the same animal. Uh, allegedly, yeah. Yeah. So it's not... It, it, but it, it... Not to cut off Ben again, but I know the guy said something early, like I think he had trouble imagining something as simple as like... A, what do you call it? A I don't know. Did he say a protein string or did he say some kind of cellular organism and, and that leading to complex life? But I think when you look at how complex a cell in itself is, all the different organelles, all the different little structures, uh, I mean, and it's fine because that can go either way because sometimes religious people use the complexity of a cell to argue for God that God must have, you know, programmed these tiny little things or whatever. But I have no problem with seeing how uh, single-celled animals or single-celled life could uh, eventually evolve into multicellular life. So it's not, it's not too far-fetched that, you know, sea mammals became land mammals and then maybe even sea mammals again at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I see those proposals. I'm just saying... If, if, our, if our criteria in science is empirical evidence, that is, I need to see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, like empirical evidence, then as a skeptic, I demand the evidence. And so I look at the evidence and I'm going, where the fuck's the evidence for Jesus? I don't, I'm kind of, I've already watched this, so I know what's coming. He's, uh, he's a Bible-believing Christian. But now, you know, he's demanding empirical evidence. And pardon me for swearing again. I know it's becoming more common on the show. But you can probably tell I'm kind of excited and passionate about the topic. And it's, it's just kind of outrageous that a religious person would demand empirical evidence. Because, you know, basically, uh, relig religious faith, is well, it's that, you know. <laughs> but believing in the supernatural claims of a religious belief system requires faith. People might try, religious believers might try to argue that there's some other reasons why you should believe, uh, quote unquote, evidence. But I mean, where's the solid empirical evidence that someone rose from the dead 2000 years ago or walked on water? But the thing is, you can't, well, actually, I, I think scientists probably would argue that you can observe evolution in some instances in the, uh, in populations of flies and even um, uh, some birds or things like that. I guess what you might call microevolution or whatever, or, you know, also in things like uh, viruses, etc. Um, but we have so much evidence for macroevolution too, whether it's uh, the fossil record or now even DNA evidence. DNA evidence backs up what we've suspected all, you know, well, since we've had the theory of evolution, um, we can look at the DNA of of organisms, of creatures, and see how they're related to other creatures. And we kind of see almost like evolution etched in the DNA of, of life. Um, or, you know, a kind of map of it. Yeah, it falls short. Uh, I don't, short. I don't the, need the, evidence. Evidence or well, ev evolution requires an unfathomable amount of time for certain things to occur. Yes. So it can't be yeah. demonstrated to you just before your very eyes in an instant. Yes. That's um, true. So we ought to see 
within the genome, let's say, or within the DNA, I'm sorry for boring all you guys, but um, okay. within the genome or within the DNA. I was going to say, this isn't boring at all. This was actually one of my favorite episodes of the Drunken Peasants ever. I love their kind of crude, kind of zany humor. But as someone who hosts uh, a podcast that, that's geared towards atheists, agnostics, and yes, whoever, that uh, I really love, absolutely love this episode. What a see. A, some amount of change within our time. So get, there's scientists out there that are doing Look like, at Billy. He started at 600 pounds. How's yeah. that for a... That's I know a he's down. I'm that's about to be a wolf. Baby. I was a whale last year. <laughs> and uh, they're actually referring to uh, the other host, Billy the Fridge, um, was and maybe technically still is, probably technically still is, uh, morbidly obese. But to his credit, he literally went from over 600 pounds to he's down to 300 and something. And he, he was using the key, still is using the keto diet. Um, but yeah, Billy likes to kind of say silly stuff just for the laughs. Uh, so he, he often takes like the contrarian position just for a laugh. You know, he says something counter to what he actually believes. So he's going to kind of do that throughout this uh, episode. You're just a furry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm only saying there's a lot more wishful thinking than there is demo, demonstrable evidence. I don't need I mean, evidence. I, I think for a religious person to say evolution is wishful thinking, um, I don't think someone said one day, hey, wouldn't it be cool if all life was related? I think evolution was something that well, actually, even before Darwin, there were some people throughout history who had also touched on evolution. And I forget that who was uh, Darwin's contemporary, who happened to at the same time, um, I think, before uh, happened to be formulating his own theory or his own thoughts on uh, evolution. They use evolutionary biology to, to create... Oh, yeah, I just looked it up. Was it uh, Alfred? Uh, I think it was Alfred Russell Wallace, a fellow naturalist. Um, played a pivotal role in developing the theory of natural selection. I like, I'm laughing because it says he helped discover evolution and then became extinct. Okay. Great things like, like flu vax or, flu, you know, like flu shots every year. That's, that's actually an awesome point. And, um, I know, uh, Believers would probably just, you know, chalk this up to microevolution, which they say they believe in. But if you look at examples of artificial selection, I mean, the fact that you could go from something like a wolf to uh, something like a pug or a chihuahua. You know, if you look at the diversity among dog breeds, etc., uh, just through artificial selection over a small period of time, you can get some pretty wild differences. And of course I said wolf, but I don't mean that uh, in recent history, wolves were turned and were bred into chihuahuas and pugs. I'm saying that, yeah, I, I just always like to try to cut people off at the pass, uh, nitpickers. But obviously the, the domestic canine is a descendant of the wolf and their DNA is so similar. They're practically indistinguishable. Uh, but anyway... Very different when a human being goes in and breeds like 50 different kinds of dogs and one looks like a munchkin and one looks like a, you know, a giant. Well, like small dogs, small dog breeds have their form of dwarfism. That's that's yeah. how, you know, they would breed the dwarf 
uh, versions until they had nothing but the dwarf version of that. I think some dogs like uh, was it Basset Hounds and Corgis. That that really is dwarfism. If, if you look at the uh, the kind of malformed legs, that animal, and that's how we got Taco from wolves dogs. down to small <laughs> dogs. Taco Bell. Yeah, my my criteria is not uh, moving the DNA within a species. My criteria is creation of any new information, and that you will not find anywhere in the physical. Oh, and that's that's right out of Ken Ham's book. Can you show me an example? Where new information was added to the genome, and I don't that that was a horrible Australian. I don't know what the hell that was. That was barely an English accent. I, I horrible at accents, absolutely horrible. And I'm just looking online at examples of information being added. Most people lose the ability to digest milk by their teens a few thousand years ago, however. After the domestication of cattle, several groups of people in Europe and Africa independently acquired mutations that allowed them to continue digesting milk into adulthood. Um, genetic studies show there has been very strong selection for these mutations. Another example it gives... Gene activity in sea squirts can turn their one-chambered heart into a working two-chambered one. Surely this counts as increasing information. Some monkeys have a mutation in a protein called TRIM5 that results in a piece of another defunct protein being tacked onto TRIM5. The result is a hybrid protein which can protect cells from infection with retroviruses such as HIV. And this is, once again, this is from New Scientist. The list of examples could go on and on, but consider this, most mutations can be reversed by subsequent mutations. A DNA base can be turned from an A to a G and then back into an A again, for instance. In fact, reverse mutation or reversion is common. For any mutation that results in a loss of information, logically, the reverse mutation must result in its gain. So the claim that mutations destroy information but cannot create it not only defies the evidence, it also defies logic. Physical world where rocks colliding together create new information. Well, the, given the, the, the law of entropy, things tend to actually degrade and get worse. The is far more what we the see in the heart. The information is constantly new. Like new information is constant. I mean, like if it, it, I, I, I don't know. I'm not even okay specifically with that terminology, information. But I, if sure. if you want to if you want to refer to DNA as the information, the information is constantly being updated. Up, updated, but not increasing in complexity. So so uh, a single celled organism is less complex than a a two celled organism or a organism that can reproduce or an organism like a like what what it would take to create an eyeball that is a, an immense amount of we could argue one of those examples i just gave of one protein being tacked on to another protein within a monkey uh you could say that is by definition more complex information being created by purely natural processes is all I'm is that's what I'm skeptical of and, and as I have a difficult time believing in. I think I just love seeing guys who are not scientists run out of information and then get angry. That's <laughs> yeah, what I love well, because everybody's a scientist yeah. on everything until they run out of information and then they start going woo woo ha 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 ha. Yeah. And, start... and so there, uh, Dick Masterson is kind of reveling in the idea of people who uh, promote 
or embrace, you know, evolution, uh, which I think we all should, uh, becoming kind of irate or unhinged once they run out of arguments or whatever. Um, I think that's, I mean, yeah, you should definitely try not to do that. I think that is human nature, though. When people do tend to run out of points or arguments in a debate, they can tend to start to get kind of heated or or uh, worked up or whatever or frustrated. That's why, I, I mean, I guess it's always best if an expert can, can uh, debate the topic rather than, you know, a layman. But even then, I think it's good if, I mean, because if you hear someone promoting pseudoscience or if you hear someone stating something as ludicrous as that, you know, evolution is a myth or something like that. Even if you're just a layman, I think it's good to try to uh, counter that nonsense, you know, uh, and kind of fight, try to fight the good fight. But yeah, if you can, you should stay level-headed and maybe if you do start to run out of ideas, you know, direct people to the experts or whatever. Um, but yeah, that attitude that, uh, Masterson was displaying there. That made me wonder if he too was like a, a religious guy or if he also didn't believe in evolution. But I think he states later on that um, a couple of times that he's not a religious individual. So I don't know what his exact stance on uh, evolution is. Um, I think maybe he just en enjoys uh, kind of being a troll and rev reveling in the meltdowns, <laughs> the, you know, that he... Uh, that he bears witness to. Okay. I, I have to qualify calling. all of this with, with I'm a comic book maker and an animator. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where let's I qualify think... this whole thing for a second. <laughs> I think he... that's actually a great point. And I think that was really good of him that to kind of, you know, put things into perspective. And it's the same with me. You know, I have a graphic design degree and I swing a hammer for a living. Um, my reason led me to be a skeptic, an atheist, or agnostic atheist, technically. Sick of hearing me say that yet. But, um, yeah, I have to admit that uh, I have a very modest layman's understanding of uh, most sciences. Uh, I mean, I have watched enough scientific documentaries and, and have watched enough lectures and listen to experts talk that <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the scientific model is the best model we have, you know, but me myself, you know, yeah, it's, it, I try to do my best as a layman, but yeah, it's always better to get your information from an expert. I'm just trying to do my part here. Here we go. You lose, you lose your faith in evolution when you start to Geared towards science, I'm I'm fully I believe in evolution. It's a faith thing for me. It's, it's because it shouldn't be faith. But, but, but this is why, right? Because it has to be. Yeah. No. Evolution no, not a scientist. It doesn't have. Okay, so that that's Billy just being a damn troll, um, trying to say that uh, it takes faith to believe in evolution. If you watch the drunken peasants, Billy won't call himself an atheist because he can't be bothered to. Um, and that's kind of the way he explains it. Um, but he, it, for all intents and purposes, he basically is an evolu uh, He basically is an atheist. Uh, he's just saying this crap because it's eventually going to lead to a joke he's making. Dick Masterson, on the other hand, is jumping on what Billy's saying 
and he thinks Billy's making a serious point. He's saying, yeah, you're not a scientist, so it has to be faith. And no, I mean, if someone explains to you the science behind evolution and does a convincing job of it, even if a lot of it, you know, kind of runs out your ears like jelly, like like with me, uh, um, you still retain enough of, of the knowledge and enough of the... Uh, and enough of an under basic understanding of the concept that you have scientific basis for believing in what you believe. It's it's not just some leap, a blind leap of faith comparable to religion. Evolution faith. says we came from gorillas and monkeys and apes, right? Gorillas are huge animals no, with tiny didn't. peepees. Well, evolution is like a branching tree, not a linear line, as it's said. So we shared common ancestors with uh, various primate species um specifically we shared a common ancestor with uh directly with chimpanzees hey right we got little peepees now we <laughs> aren't as huge we aren't as strong but our peepees are bigger so because of evolution in like my great 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 grandkids gonna have a massive swinging dick and okay okay so, but no it's funny um even though he's just trying to make a ridiculous joke here I do remember hearing that there's a um, that there's a scientific idea that there's a correlation between promiscuity and genital size in primates. I heard it explained specifically, I think, regarding testicle size. <laughs> that chimpanzees supposedly have bigger testicles, I believe, than humans, um, and gorillas, I think, have much smaller testicles or something like that uh and, and there's supposed to be some correlation there between um levels of promiscuity okay that's why i believe in evolution we didn't come from gorillas or monkeys what what about the big dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> how do you explain that hey explain my, my great, great, great 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 grandkids big dick how do, how do you explain my great great grandbaby swinging fucking dong ben yeah, how do you explain men with small penises? Like, how did they ever survive? Or we reproduce with people who have like uh, like visual prescriptions that like weaken your DNA. Honest. Yet... <laughs> well, now we've we've gone to weird kind of uh, debased territory here, which is to be expected um, with the drunken peasants, which is one of the reasons I like them. But I don't see any reason why you know men with small penises couldn't have procreated i mean I, I could see why infertility would interfere with procreation but small penis size i mean as long as it still functions as long as you can still inseminate <laughs> a female uh there's no reason technically unless you're trying to argue that women would go for the small penis guy um i remember i forget where the heck i was watching something on youtube and there were Ah, it might have been an episode of the Drunken Peasants where they were talking, not the Drunken Peasants, Deep Fat Fried, where they were talking about micro penis and instances of actually, I guess, you know, good looking, handsome guys, supposedly, uh, with the misfortune of having small penises. So I imagine that as, as far as evolution is concerned, that's probably actually not as big a factor as he's making it out to be. What's probably a much bigger factor is fertility. Um and he's bringing up eyeglasses. To me, that's like a, that's that's a good good example, an example that uh, 
you'll hear scientists and a lot of atheists uh, bring up about the imperfection of the human body and how you know this doesn't the human body doesn't necessarily seem to be something that was uh, designed by some greater power and that more likely it is a product of uh, natural selection things like how weak our knees and feet are uh, how bad our eyes tend to be uh, th- that kind of thing there- we're getting all of our genes. I have to take you. Know, we have glasses and poor eyesight, and we're reproducing. Small penises are probably because of civilization, where people don't have to. Yeah, because I mean, wearing eyeglasses doesn't keep you from banging someone. I mean, this. I mean, a good deal of people do have to depend on corrective lenses, um, including myself. I wear contact lenses, and without them in, I'm lucky if I can see like a foot or two in front of my face clearly. Um, so uh, as someone who needs corrective lenses, I've often wondered like what it was like for people in the past before the invention of uh, of corrective lenses. How the hell did they get around? Did they have to uh, depend on other family members or did they just learn to do without and navigate their way around the best they could or what or a combination? Um, but I think eyeglasses have eyeglasses have actually been around for quite some time. Um, yeah, I just did a quick search. Uh, eyeglasses have been around since the 13th century, and so that I think someone who needs uh, eyeglasses or corrective lenses, if you have those corrective lenses, I mean, uh, people might argue uh, whether they look cool sitting on your snout or not. But uh, at that point, then you're really fully functional as long as you're wearing the lenses. There's nothing keep keeping you from uh from reproducing and uh you know if someone or two people with uh with bad eyes have sex it's not like uh they're they're gonna have a miscarriage but you know it's obviously people with bad eyes can reproduce be the strongest to procreate anymore because you can also trick people into thinking you're fuckable you know, the, the the more fuckable these beta males oh my get, God, Billy. the more the more their tiny penises <laughs> will be passed down. But back in the day, you had even Ben's getting tired of it, and it's funny. Um, there's often a tension between Ben and Billy. At least once on the show, they said that uh, it, it's just kind of you know kayfabe, as they would call it. it. It's just kind of a fake thing, an acting thing for the sake of the show. And that they're really good friends behind the scenes. I think they, I know that, I don't know personally, but from just from what they divulge on the show, they really are good friends, uh, even, you know, when the camera's not on them. Uh, they go on trips together and stuff like that. But I think there is, some of that tension is genuine, though. And I wonder if at some point down the road, there's going to be another drunken peasant schism where something comes in between uh, Billy and Ben. We'll see. We'll see. You'd be the fucking strapping lad to bang a woman, right? You have to beat the shit no. out of everybody. That's like 70s porn saying you have to have a big penis. I'm, you know. Then he's just kind of uh, undermining his own argument. Now he's saying, like, you don't have to have a big penis or whatever. Reasonably small. <laughs> you're six foot eight. Like, small on yeah, you, you is still going to be a tool. You're six foot eight. You're looking from a long way away. Yeah. Dude, if it's shorter, not, you dude, it's not true. Is. Dude, if it was to scale, if it was to scale, I'd be a porn star. If I was a five foot fucking nothing manlet, my dick manlet. would look like a monster on me. But it doesn't because I'm six foot three and 400 fucking pounds. It just looks like there's like a sea of body. Around. I thought he said 300 before. Okay, so he's like 400 something now. Around my 
little <laughs> fucking ding dong. It's not even little. And I say little because of how big I am. It's unfair. Because it looks small compared to the rest of the body. Yeah, right. to so the rest of the body. Weight, you, you gain scale. But yeah, but if, if it was like a, a Pepsi Didn't challenge. Didn't you say it hides too? It, sometimes, yeah, but that's different. <laughs> oh. It's because I got so oh, much fat terrible. down there. Every, every once in a while, it, it fucking hibernates, okay? But... <laughs> But if it was a Pepsi challenge and it was my dick in a fucking behind a curtain hanging out, a girl would be like, I prefer this over Coca-Cola. It's not a bad dick. It just looks bad on my fucking massive whale body. <laughs> New information and DNA comes from random mutation. Nature selects which random mutations to preserve. Excellent. So that's that was a response to that earlier. Fairy, fairy tale. Move on. <laughs> Hold How on. do you explain? Hold on. How the fuck is that a fairy tale? <laughs> what the Bible is? No, no, it? move on. No, no, quick, quick. <laughs> that is one of my favorite interactions during this uh, episode. And uh, Doug, there, the creative earthworm, Jim, actually is a pretty good sport. And uh, it, it might not come through on the audio only version, but he's actually, you know, he's kind of half joking there. Okay. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> How is the Bible on, not a fairy on. tale? <laughs> How do you explain dwarf booty? Yeah. That's that's uh, evolution. Uh, it's fine. We would I'll I'll say like we would definitely have evidence if people lived to be like 500 years old just 5000 years ago like yeah. in the Bible. Okay, and so he's talking about the uh the antediluvians. These uh people in the Old Testament who supposedly had these centuries long uh lifespan. So Ben's argument is that if the earth really was just five or six thousand years old as young earth creationists suggest which obviously it wasn't um, that we would probably see some evidence for the existence of uh antediluvian peoples and whatnot uh I, I don't i don't know if that how much water that holds but it, it's kind of moot since i think the idea of a young earth is ridiculous anyway well i mean uh, i don't know Anyway, yeah, we we can't jump down that rabbit hole. I know, um, we're gonna turn. It's gonna turn to the evolution show. I swear, it's gonna turn to like the creationist versus evolution show. Everything does. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> See, like, I don't think it's mutual. Like, just, just trust me. You're all full of crap <laughs> if you believe in evolution. Just trust me. Okay. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can believe. I, I think you can accept evolution and still be religious. I don't think they're mutual. You could, exclusive. but why? That's actually a, a great point. There, there are plenty of Christians who um, who believe in evolution, and for the sake of argument, I don't know why you couldn't just. It seems fairly logical. I'm saying this as a non-believer that you could believe in some vague higher power who, or even your particular god of choice, may have you know sparked the process that is evolution, and that's how his creation unfurled or whatever. I think. If you go insist on being religious, that's a fine argument, relatively speaking. If you're going to yeah, believe in fairy tale, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The Catholic Church, the Catholic Church already accepts evolution. Yeah, well, the Catholic Church oh, yeah. doesn't accept a lot of fucked up shit. You mean the Catholic Church? Oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's uh, the Catholic Church for all of its faults and uh, monstrous uh, uh, controversies. You know. The, child sex abuse scandals and all that uh in some ways they are fairly progressive in their thinking when it comes to their uh their acceptance of uh science wasn't always the case um giordano bruno etc uh but yeah um and i think even if you go back as far as saint augustine um or augustine tomato tomato he i think even proposed that 
the 24-hour periods of Genesis weren't necessarily meant to be taken as literal days. All right. Um, if the Catholic Church is your standard bearer, then we're Jack- in trouble. Jacqueline <laughs> Daggard for $2. Doug is also against gay marriage. You- <laughs> he is. He is. Oh, now we're going to do the gay marriage show real quick. I mean... That's different. I'm against gay marriage too. I don't think anybody should be getting married ever. It's a <laughs> curse. Oh, 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 it's a oh, plague on. Oh, Dick, we're getting you married. So, so I, I believe it's a cult. I believe that. So this is something else we're going to disagree on. But here's the thing: I believe morality is subjective, and you have every right to be against gay marriage if you think so. Uh, I, I, I'll argue. Yeah, and obviously, I don't even have to say it. I'm a hundred percent in support of gay marriage. And um, Ben's talking about subjective morality there. I think we are hardwired for things like empathy and altruism, as well as tribalism and violence. You know, we're social animals. So I I think there are some things that are almost moral universals. Um, But yeah, I think uh, much of morality is subjective. And me personally, if... As long as it's between two consenting adults, I think if, you know, if it's two people of the same sex, two people of the opposite sex, three people, uh, whatever, I mean, people should be able to do whatever they want in the bedroom sexually. They should be able to marry whoever uh, they want as long as that person uh, can give consent. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying. I don't know why anyone would be against gay marriage unless it was, you know, obviously, you know, on re- religious terms or whatever. The evolution part more because we actually have seen evolution work. Uh, whether or not gay people should get married, that's just an opinion. I can't argue with your with your opinion, really. I believe so. in the don't knock it till you try it principle. So if you want to <laughs> hate gay marriage, just marry a dude first and prove to me that you really don't like it. You know, you can get a fucking divorce. Who cares? But so, just suck, one, suck a couple to, dicks. Does that apply to marrying children, too? I mean, I'm just checking your standard here. Damn I'm it. Gonna test. And that's such an outrageous point. And I think Ben's going to handle that very uh, adeptly or whatever. And, uh, you know, in a minute. But I-, I couldn't let that pass without saying something. And it goes to the point I was just making. Gay marriage is between consenting adults. Obviously, there's a world of difference between two consenting adults of the same sex who love each other, wanting to get married or have some kind of ceremony so they can declare themselves as one in the eyes of the world and the government, you know, uh, as, as, you know, a a partnership. There's a world of difference between that and, uh, say, um child brides arrange weddings uh child brides something you see in other parts of the world and also with uh with like um fundamentalist mormon sex and stuff like that uh scary ugly stuff it's kind of funny a religious person bringing up that point because i'm sure back in biblical times you know uh it, it was probably rather common for um for people to marry people who are in their you know early teens or whatever and, and like I just brought up, you know, even here in the West, there's um, certain fundamentalist Mormon sects and stuff that kind of uh, marry off young girls and things like that. So this is okay. this, this is why I don't debate because I don't want to fuck. Kids. Oh, 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 
Okay. This is, this Look, is, we uh, invented marriage when people lived to be like 35. I was going to say, if, if any episode of The Week in Doubt ever deserved uh, an explicit label, <laughs> it's this. You know, I'll, I'll watch The Drunken Peasants. And I don't give, you know, they'll say outrageous stuff. I know it's just part of the show. But now that I'm incorporating this into an episode of this podcast, I almost feel partly responsible for the stuff coming out of Billy's mouth. Oh, man. Yeah, anyway. Now we live no, to according 80, to the Bible, 90. they live Come to on, be like gotta... 700 years old. <laughs> We're going to have VR soon. We have marriage can't handle this kind of stuff. It, we, it's old technology. Dick. Dick. We're gonna we're gonna work on that. So mandatory gay on. marriage, Billy. Mandatory brother... gay marriage, mandatory abortions. I want <laughs> I want mandatory everything. And I'll I'll go to like I'll go to creationist school if I if I want to like I'll learn I'll learn about the six thousand year old Earth and I'll give it a fair yeah. shot. Yeah, give it a fair shot. Give it a fair <laughs> shot. Yeah, I'll get a sex so, change as long as I, I can change back afterwards. I don't, I don't really like the comparison of. Uh, the comparison of gay marriage to pedophilia or bestiality because yeah. i mean we've already determined as a society that people below a certain age i'm just looking at the chat there's this uh girl uh woman who's often a guest on the drunken peasants called the meds peds and she's saying explain how being gay is quote unquote wrong jesus i wish i was on there right now uh, yeah, and I know exactly uh, how she feels. That's why I wanted to do this episode. Aren't able to, to, to give consent, uh, sure. whereas, you know, adults are. So I think you sure, should. I'll, I'll, I'll only go. Adult uh, men are. I'll only go <laughs> marrying children and marrying dogs and marrying the furniture and or marrying uh, two women instead of one. Well, marry the furniture if you like that's a lot different than marrying someone or engaging in an act with someone who's too young to consent world of difference uh, unless you're an animist or something furniture is you know inanimate <laughs> okay then there's marrying a child then there's marrying a dog then there's marrying the couch okay well marrying the couch i don't really i mean Marriage is a contract first and foremost, and a couch can't sign a contract. Yeah, me so and my couch had a nonverbal commitment. Um, <laughs> yeah. Marrying a dog. Yeah, a do yeah and also, um, I mean, if you look back in back through history, the idea of marrying purely for love, uh, of strictly just uh, a romantic endeavor, uh, this is relatively n new for most of uh, history. Marriages were, you know, arranged, uh, involved dowries and stuff like that. This idea of simply on your, uh, uh, you know, deciding for yourself you want to marry someone because, you know, you have deep affection for them because you're in love with them and want to spend your life with them. I, I mean, I'm sure there were elements of that all through human history since the phenomenon of marriage has existed or the invention of marriage. But for the most part, you know, this is a relatively new thing. Uh, marrying purely for love. Uh, if I'm sure, if we, ironically, you know, if we went back to biblical times, it'd be all arranged marriages and dowries and whatnot. All no, there's no sign consent, a contract. There's no consent with a couch. There's no consent with a couch. Um, my, my marriage thing is that, like, all of us, all of you, I know it's not a mystery, but all of us came from a man and a woman. They were probably married. And uh, that I advocate for that as an ideal. And so... Well, uh, it's not like we're going to stop reproducing if people stop, uh, if people stop getting, you know, married or entering this contract, as Ben aptly uh, put it. Um, 
the human sex drive is so powerful, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, you might make some kind of argument about the nuclear family and this and that, and whether it's better for children to have two parents instead of just, you know, a, a single mother or whatever. Um, but if your argument is that uh, marriage somehow enables or promotes reproduction, I, I mean, the earth is already overpopulated as it is. There's, there's always going to be people who, who uh, are ch- champing at the bit. Is it champing or chomping to have sex? Um, but yeah, maybe he is making some kind of nuclear family argument, though. But when you start jacking with ideals, I believe there's larger consequential trouble that happens than merely um, like I don't think these are these things are just fads or fashions or things that we personally believe. I think I think a, a man and a woman who have a child, there ought to be a lifelong commitment of some kind. And we call that marriage. Well, I think that's obviously the best case scenario. I don't think it has to be. You know, I don't think it necessarily has to be a man and a woman. I think a same-sex couple can competently and lovingly raise a child. Why not? Uh, but he's saying if you have a man and a woman who have a child, he thinks it's best if they're in a loving, lifelong commitment. And I think, yeah, that's obviously the most stable thing for the child, um, that you know, having those parents together... Um, I imagine it's it's quite traumatic for a child to have to witness a, a divorce or witness constant fighting or you know witness the falling apart of a marriage. So yeah, obviously it goes without saying that um, it benefits a child to come from a, a loving, stable family. But then again, if you have two people who grow to absolutely hate each other, it actually might be better for the child if they divorce. Uh, than for the child to be caught up in this dysfunctional um, maelstrom or whatever. And there, and there isn't such a thing as two men who reproduce. So I don't think we have to honor... Yeah, but two men could still raise a child. That was so, the same... Kind of imagine so, how so much two men could get done if hold they didn't on. have a woman in their hold way. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So... so so, so should we also should we, and shut down. should we also ban heterosexuals who can't reproduce from marriage too then? That's a good point. Since no, it's all about you, reproduction. I didn't say all about. I said it's 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 one of the reasons why. There's okay. there's a lot of reasons. So why, so if two people that can't reproduce with each other is is the reason why they shouldn't get married, then that means if if one of them or even heterosexually they should like yeah. if one of them can't procreate, they shouldn't get married because procreation is the reason for marriage. Well, marriage isn't merely for um, for children for ideal for children. Does also a lot of it was you know back in the day it was about political alliances. Um, there was kind of a cold and calculating aspect to it of you know of creating um, alliances between families in some cases powerful families in the cases case of uh, royalty etc uh so as i was saying before marriage wasn't always about love and this idea of marrying purely for love is relatively new um historically speaking anyway so ideal for why, children so why is the male herogenous zone in their asshole herogenous i don't know if he was just joking there erogenous obviously but wow yeah. That is not true. Is that it is not totally, true? That is totally the, fake science. You ever had your prostate milked? 
You, you made, <laughs> made up by deviants. You, you never had, out of your butt. You never. <laughs> I don't think I ever talked about it on the show, but like a year or two ago, I had my first prostate exam and I didn't know the doctor was going to do it. And I have heard that too. A lot of people say that supposedly that is uh, a source of pleasure for men or something. I was, I didn't know the doctor was going to want to do it that day. And this gets really graphic. I can't believe I'm talking about this on the, on the air. All of a sudden he's like, okay, now if you can turn around and put your hands on the table, almost like, you know, if you were being arrested and on the hood of a car or something. And I'm kind of like, uh Oh, I can kind of tell what, what's going to happen, you know? And I've never had, with the exception of maybe one girl who was able to slip past the goalie before I could stop her, I've never, <laughs> is getting graphic, I've never had a finger up there. And this guy, it felt like someone just rammed like a claw in there and then twisted it. And I have a pretty high pain threshold, or so I like to think, you know. I've been doing manual labor for like two decades. Uh, I've been injured my fair share of times, and most times I just uh, shrug it off. I can remember like yelling out like, ah, like, you know, like in pain and shock in the, uh, the doctor's office. And I really felt like dazed, like just totally like out of it, not quite right for like two days where I went around feeling like I had been violated. It was, it was messed up. I did not like it. And actually, I um, I left that doctor. And that was pretty much... Well, there were two reasons. That and also in general, he had kind of a shitty bedside ma- manner. I didn't care for his personality. Um, and, and then I chose a female doctor. I'm like, if I'm going to have a, a finger up there, I'd, I'd rather it be a female, I guess. And then, you know, I've been seeing that doctor for a, a while now and she hasn't wanted to do it. Not like I've been looking forward to it, you know, even if it is a, a woman administering the, the, uh, the exam or the procedure. Billy, get your thumb out of your you, butt. You, you never had a monkey stuff. claw up your asshole yeah. just pulling out all your insides? Yeah. Yeah, Billy, when you masturbate, do you stick a thumb up your butt? If no. it would reach. No, you, you don't. I already know you. I know you don't. I know you don't. Is all that how you throw up, Billy? All the work, all the work, all the work is on the front end. So if so if this big erogenous zone is there, why aren't you using it every single time? You don't use it. Because we haven't unlocked that achievement yet. Once, <laughs> yeah. I have many friends yeah. who put things in their reached, butthole. You haven't reached that level. Yeah, you have many friends, uh, two, who say they put their thumb up their butt. Not just the thumb. Some of them make their girlfriends have glass strap-ons, and they play parcheesi yeah. in the bungees. Yeah, and they have blue hair, and they're baristas at Starbucks. Move I live on. in Seattle. That's everybody. So there's, It's uh... not your parents who made you. I'm advocating for what made you. Yeah, I'm sure my dad didn't like stuff in his ass, except that one time he told me he experimented with a candle. But he said yeah. he was handcuffed at the they time, are, so didn't they count. They are kind of turning on that Doug one now. time he took a really long crap, and he made sure it took. Once again, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Oh, you can shoot the messenger, I guess, because I chose to include this stuff in this episode. So ho- hopefully, uh, you old school fans of the show who always used to compliment me on how respectful I was and how clean my language always was. Uh, <laughs> apologies, please, please don't flee a really long time because it was kind of cool <laughs> so there's there's a few uh, disparaging uh remarks against doug uh oh, oh, course, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> my people my people i love you all so so this person says uh doug your arguments against evolution are dated as hell also you're a bigot 
Good, good, good. Yeah, I love you too. Good. Bring it on. Okay, Sean. Another, do you want me to respond or? Do you want oh me yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're free to respond. Um, a bigot would would say that I'm only against this stuff because I hate X or Y. I don't hate gays. I'm, I'm an art major, right? I've been around fags all my whole life. They've been <laughs> they've been in and out of my life, in and out of my family. I hang out with them all the time. The the idea of a man banging or going down another man doesn't bother me whatsoever. It's not a big deal. I, I just I, I take a principled position against it. It's because of my values that I get from the Bible. Oh, maybe you should rethink those uh, those values then. And this reminds me of how I used to uh, talk about how personally I viewed um, morality as kind of fitting into one of two categories where you kind of have somewhat relatively universal morality, things that most people would agree that are wrong, uh, stealing, rape, that kind of thing. Then you have kind of arbitrary morality, uh, things that if you really think about it, there's no reason to think of them as being immoral, but and it usually stems back to religion. Oh, my holy book says it's wrong. That's why it's wrong. Like, uh, all those prohibitions in Leviticus, uh, seafood and mixed fibers or fabrics or whatever. And I think gay marriage belongs in that category too. There's no real reason to uh, think of gay marriage as being immoral. Um, it's usually religious people spouting that crap. There. That's not hatred. Uh, to call it hatred is just like you're going to have to go on a big giant microscopic hunt in my heart and find some hatred you're so, not going to find. So yeah. is here's a question for you. Is slavery condoned in the Bible? No. Uh are you sure? servitude. Okay, no, yes. No, 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 no. I have to stop you with this. Yeah, and that's the one uh, religious people always go towards, uh, indentured servitude. When, as I think they're going to discuss, you know, there's all sorts of prescriptions in the Bible about how long you can keep a slave, how hard you can beat them or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, rules for keeping, uh, you know, a slave who is Hebrew versus one who isn't Hebrew. This one, it's yeah. not indentured servitude. It is slavery. It is someone owning someone else and it has a list of rules, some of them being that it's okay to beat them. Yeah. Uh, race-based slavery, like we like we hear in this America, is, is not at all is not at all condoned in the Bible. No, you know what? Um, no, actually, it is. It actually is because different rules applied to Hebrew slaves than they mm -hmm. did to non-Hebrew slaves. So it Somewhat, was based on race. We have a seven-year year of jubilee that applied to everyone, where whoever was a slave had to be released. Look at this. We're doing a giant Hebrew show on drunken peasants. Who'd have guessed? <laughs> yeah, Ben's the black Hebrew. Every seven years. A giant Hebrew show. I gotta use the bathroom. Bathroom break time. I'll be back. All right, I'm back. I'll uh, shorten the length of that bathroom visit through the magic of editing. Okay. Doug manipulating us into doing this. Blends the yeah. the black Hebrew Israelites. Doug is the MAGA hat kid. I guess that makes me the fucking drummer. That's right. Oh, that's God. right. Look at that. Look at that. And if you can't. Uh, if you're not watching the video version, Billy is now pounding on his own flabby stomach, pretending to be the Native American drummer in that recent uh, controversial news story about the kid with the MAGA hat, etc. Okay. Look at that flab this guy's working up. Look at that lost weight. Yeah. That's that's heroism, people. That's heroism. Um. <clears throat> that's someone heroism. said. Uh, Matt Joseph said, "Earthworm Jim is proof of evolution." 
Human and earthworm <laughs> DNA smashed together. Uh, Damn it. Uh, someone also said, if the Earth were 6,000 years old, the sun would be invisible because it takes photons one million years to escape the sun's core. For evolution, watch Aaron Ra uh, R. N. Ra's video, Foundational Falsehoods of Creationism and uh, Systemic Creation of Life. I mean, that is true. We, we see, even with stars, we see stars that we know are sure. a certain amount of light years away that... They're so far away that if, if the universe was only, you know, five to 10,000 years old, we couldn't possibly sure. see light that has traveled mm -hmm. that Can I give away. you an argument for that real quick? Okay. This uh -oh. is weird because I, I'm an old Earth guy, right? And, yeah, yeah. But I, I read all of these young Earth creationist arguments, and I found a pretty compelling one. So one of them says when God made Adam, he makes a complete man. So he's less than, you know, five minutes old, but he looks like a whole man. He looks like he's, say, 20 years old. So why couldn't God also make a star, you know, for man's pleasure that has a hundred and, you know, wow. light year beam that looks older? So the, 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 the answer is God is magic. Well, that's the whole well, point well, of the Bible. Right. That's the whole point of God that He's magic. What do you mean the yeah. answer is God is magic? Yeah. That's not a. It's kind of. That's not an argument. Oh my kind gosh! Of what There's either magic or there isn't. Yeah. So I'm only saying I, I think the magic side takes less faith than believing that everything was particles colliding and you get complex. But we know we know particles exist. We don't have any evidence that magic exists. The existence of morality, I, I don't think there's anything um, magical or mysterious about that. I think that can be explained through the fact that we're social animals that evolved. Um, consciousness, one of these days I want to do a whole episode on consciousness, just really trying to get down to the nitty gritty about you know what the heck is it exactly. And of course, if you're a regular listener, you know I lean towards the argument that consciousness is most likely an emergent property of the brain. Um, it's a product of the meat brain. Um, I think if you have creatures with you know sense organs, sensory organs, uh, little you know flatworms with eye spots, etc. Um, things able to detect light and touch, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, you have creatures that evolve, develop progressively more and more complex nervous systems, more and more complex brains. I mean, we know if we, we can see the evolutionary layers when we look at the human brain all the way down to the reptilian brainstem or whatever. That makes sense if you have these creatures with these sophisticated sense organs who are aware of things and that awareness becomes progressively more and more pronounced that eventually you might have a being that is self-aware. Um, I mean, it, it's still, I mean, consciousness is a subject you still should approach with all due humility. Um, there's still a, a lot, uh, you know, that we don't know for sure but i think yeah it kind of makes sense it kind of makes sense that as the nervous system becomes more and more sophisticated and advanced through evolution that maybe so does uh, awareness to, to the point where you get self-awareness we 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 the bible knows that everything came from adam right and yeah. science <laughs> knows that everything came from atoms atoms how
atoms. <laughs> that reminds me of a uh, off a of Hollywood. There's a Marilyn Manson lyric: "The uh, the atom of Eden was a bomb," and uh, Marilyn Manson loves lo- loves. Uh, a good play on words. Would the Bible know oh, about the atoms? God. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for God, it's magic, Ben. You make, you make me cringe. It's God's magic. This is There's no magic. You haven't evolution. seen that Mariah Carey song. <laughs> Thank you. I fucking cried Come when on. Jimmy Fallon and Mariah Carey. I That's fucking magic. cried. That's magic, dude. This, I'm serious. Shut up. I'm serious. Watch that video of Jimmy Fallon and Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. You will not be able to to frown during that. That will erase millions of years of evolution in my mind. Hey, to your audience, to jump off a cliff or hang themselves (laughs) right now, just watch that video first. Thank you. Someone someone, uh, sent in two Canadian dollars, said, show me when a canine became a non-canine, drunken peasants. That's a... When he became a puking presidential candidate. Yeah. Fucking loser. Uh, Oh, oh, oh. Jaws 3 gave us a dollar. He said he should have gotten to Tonka to take his place in the fight. Oh, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I must have just overlooked this while I was editing the original video. Now they're just talking about uh, kind of YouTube drama. Yeah, there was there was a Native American themed pro wrestler back in the day, and his name was Tatanka. Yeah. That's true. Well, not Tonka. Tatanka yeah, from... Yeah. Uh, from Dances with Wolves. Tatanka. Buffalo Warrior. Yeah. The Buffalo Warrior. Um, wow. Wow. There's stupid. a lot of these coming also in stupid. now. Manny was at a Magic the Gathering pre-release this weekend, so magic does exist, Benjamin. Hmm. I stand corrected. That's right. Hmm. Uh, tap your uh, your forest card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Fidel Castro, $3. Uh, oh, no way. He's back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he sends us a lot of... He sends us money, strangely enough. Uh, I like this guy. I, How much? I, I think the ideas Doug has displayed in this episode have been pretty stupid, but I still <laughs> like the guy. Earthworm Jim was the shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that pretty much, that could have been this whole episode was just that. That pretty much sums up everything. But uh, I'm much more long-winded, unfortunately. I Doug's been Thank a sweet boy. God, I created a modified, like glorified Happy Meal character made to sell cereal <laughs> to justify my existence on your. After I throw down hard truth on evolution, at least I made a firm Um, so the, the person earlier that that uh gave you a compliment about Earthworm Jim now sent in another one. It says, "I take back what I said. Freakazoid <laughs> was better." Correct. <laughs> Okay. Remember Freakazoid? <laughs> um, I'm 52 years old. It's like, remember that, that the crackhead girl that was going like he doesn't share his food with me? And like she looks like just an imbecile. Yeah. I'm going like, that's how I look on YouTube. When I'm like, I'm doing all these these live streams. It's like, I look like that blurry girl complaining about not him not sharing my food. That's how the children see me on YouTube. Have you ever, uh, have you ever seen Matt Dillahunty before? Are you familiar with that guy? No, oh. I have no idea who he is. That, I'm kind of happy. That's the guy you should. Uh... Well, uh, some people, including many atheists might argue that. Yeah. You might be happy. <laughs> they never met Matt Dillahunty. I know like I've taken shots at him before and so have others. Uh, about how he can kind of come off kind of like smug and self-important. But he does do a good job of arguing on 
behalf of atheism and debating theists, etc. Uh, if, if you ever seek out a, a debate about uh, evolution or even just atheism, that's the guy yeah. to talk to. And you should fight uh, him. He's, he's very seasoned. With, and he actually used to be um, a preacher at one point. So Okay, if he's... Yeah, I'd love to have him on my show. So, bro, if you're out there and you're watching this show, you're not. But if no. you are... He's been on here before, but he's probably not watching. Okay, hit me up. We'll... Actually, in fairness to Matt Dillahunty... Um, what the hell is that noise? Uh... <laughs> It's coming from my iPad. In fairness to Matt Dillahunty, I think he would absolutely pummel this guy in a debate. Um, as I was just saying, Dillahunty is more than competent uh, when it comes to debating theists. And in fairness to this guy, I like how he's a good sport. You know, if someone brings up a really sound point or counter argument, he'll be like, yeah. Yeah, so I think Doug uh, would be doing a lot of that. You know, I don't even know if it'd be much of a debate. We'll throw down and I'll throw down my uh, massive comic book knowledge of uh, of how the world began against you. <laughs> Have that Mariah Carey video, though, that is describing it is not enough. I'll, I'll, I'll play that video and he'll start crying and going, yeah. there, there is a God. I, I repent. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, what else do we have here? Yeah, here's a question. <laughs> here's a question. Fuck, how old is the Earth? How old is Nancy Pelosi? Oh, <laughs> older than the Earth. <laughs> I, I was going to look at her profile. There's actually, uh, before this uh, religion debate broke out, they were actually looking, taking a look at the news, and they were discussing a story involving nancy pelosi so that's where all this is coming from if you're watching the video version you can see the image they're talking about wow i was going to give her a bit of a defense she's everyone's grandma she's kind of cute and sweet look at this big mafia thug who's like pushing the guy off in front of her he looks like someone from the sopranos yeah she looks kind of cute she's kind of but i wouldn't trust my grandmother to make decisions for fucking the country no. you know yeah she has no, as much I, dementia I would, as my I grandmother say she's thinking like look 40 years ago i was the cortez i was cortez 40 years ago she was cortez when cortez couldn't exist she looks like she's handing out like easter egg baskets to the grandchildren it's like yes yes <laughs> oh, hi everybody hi yes she she's had she's around to with terraform to what she is now and she's a a shill for the fucking blue states yeah, she looks kind of like a, a pterodactyl. Like, And uh, Billy's saying that, but I believe Billy leans left, too, just like a, a lot of people. He's not necessarily uh, pleased with um, the, uh, the Democratic status quo or with the kind of uh, career politicians we have in there. But I, I believe he is a left-leaning guy. The skin's pterodactyl <laughs> all stretched out. But she's kind of got a cute skinned pterodactyl look a cute skin skinned skin pterodactyl kind of a harmless skinned pterodactyl uh someone sent in a ryan slacker five dollars democrats have a massive disproportionate amount of abortions compared to republicans so oh. right-wingers need to be pro-abortion and fun planned parenthood <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna jump down this guy's throat in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is my one like golden issue is abortion. I am so against abortion, like I'm just sick by it. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
I had no Ma- idea. I, I, I assumed nothing. I wouldn't guess. I thought Earthworm Jim was so. I don't know what he was going to say there, that uh, Earthworm Jim was an aborted fetus. Or... This girl, have an abortion. I'm coming after you. So, I'm uh, it. So, you can't do it. You so, have that kid. So a miscarriage, is that like God's will? or? No, you dummy. A miscarriage <laughs> is not an abortion, okay? Let's hold on, hold on, though. Hold on. This, uh, at this point, the uh, conversation actually takes a pretty interesting philosophical uh, turn where they're kind of debating whether or not God is... The, the great cosmic abortionist, you know? So, like, so God doesn't... So, do you believe in predetermined destiny? So, like, God decides what happens ahead of time? Uh, and it's his plan? Ultimately, yes. I think man's free will, there has to be some place for man's free will. So, I don't know how far I take God's, like, out. I think if you believe in predestination, it gets really hard to uh, defend God. Because if this really was all part of his design, all the horror, the iniquity, the the uh, atrocity, even giving man, uh, you know, if it, if it's completely a matter of predestination, then it's not even necessarily free will. I was going to say giving man the uh, the option to choose evil or to to do harm. It's it's pretty much uh, it, it's a script that's just being acted out that was already written by uh, the big guy upstairs. And so, if you believe in predestination, it's it's hard to defend God. Absolute so, dominance of man's history. So what about wait? What about so, if you're a time traveler and you go back in time and change the past? Will you be responsible for all the people that you essentially aborted by changing yes. the future? Yes. Yes. Okay. Don't so when time so, travel happens, we know it's all going to. Well, happen. the butterfly effect. You know, people aren't going to meet. They're not going to go to the dance. Like if Biff and Marty's mom would have had a kid, is Marty and Doc responsible for the time <laughs> travel murdered, portion of that kid? A kid. Yeah, yeah. So no, I don't know. I obviously it's dude. So when you get into free will versus predestination, it is like an absolute complicated mash. Of it's a, a contradiction. Of a it's a contradiction. Um, and that, that goes back to the, how can you have free will, but have predetermined destiny answer? God is magic again. <laughs> no, I mean, that's yeah. the, answer, I, answer to know the future is different than to call, than to be the causative hand of it. Okay. Well, now he's kind of contradicting himself or, you know, he's kind of doing gymnastics. Um, if everything was predestined, that implies that God was the architect. At least I, I think it does. Um, Unless God is like uh, incompetent to some degree, like he could see the outcome of what he's going to do, but he can only control it so much. Whoop, I could see this thing's going to be a mess, but I'm going to snap my fingers and let it happen anyway, you know? I don't know. Um, and I think, is a Calvinist? I think aren't there are certain uh, Christian sects that do dogmatically embrace predestination. Um that was is it is it the Jehovah's Witnesses who believe only like a, a select certain number of people will get into heaven? Um, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that exactly one hundred forty four thousand faithful Christians go to heaven to rule with Christ in the kingdom of God. Everyone else, you're out of luck. Holy shit! What what's the purpose for all those other people? Oh, but oh, okay, there? so God doesn't cause what happens. So all the shit that he, he did in the Bible, he didn't actually cause that. 
He he could very well have. I, I'm I'm saying I don't know. I don't okay. know how so, it works. I'm saying God is like he can only you know he can see that everything turns out right way at the end of time, uh, but the people drowning in the great deluge, uh, all the dead children, etc. Well, actually, uh, the Noachian flood. I think I don't. I think there's a lot of Christians who don't even you know take that literally. Uh, but, you know, if you do believe in it, literally, all, all the horrors of the Old Testament, everything else, that uh, all the real world horrors that we real people have to endure or have endured, um, the natural disasters, uh, man's inhumanity to man, which if you, even if you want to blame that on man and not God, God still designed us with that capacity. Um, birth defects, disease, etc., etc. Oh, it's a fallen world because two people ate the wrong kind of fruit and no um let's say for the sake of argument the story of adam and eve was true um given the it's uh the location of where it would have occurred the middle east i think it's thought that it would have been something like a fig or a pomegranate or something like that not an apple that twist on the story was a, a later invention but yeah i was gonna say how you guys probably heard me say this ad nauseum I think the whole doctrine of original sin, uh, you know, if you take that that story of the fall in the garden, literally, the idea that subsequently all humans from thereafter are destined to suffer and die, um, live these miserable little lives because two of their forebears ate the wrong kind of fruit. That's a very ugly idea to me a very immoral idea and it, and i don't think it's a it seems a very primitive explanation or, or an attempt at an explanation for human suffering uh smacks of myth to me it 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 makes more sense than all of the atheistic philosophers out there that say there is no free will because everything is cause and effect and you could choose no other well he's off base here because even in atheist circles uh free free will is uh a, a very hot topic of debate and you even have um two of the four horsemen you know daniel dennett and sam harris otherwise two guys that oh as far as i could always tell got along very well um even they had some kind there was a lot of tension between that i don't know if i'd call go as far as to call it a falling out but I know there was a, a pretty, there was a, a serious disagreement between them, uh, peppered with a, a fair degree of ill will surrounding around their, surrounding their differences on the topic of free will. So even among atheists, free will is a matter of contention. That's the competing worldview. So the just worldview to, to God having free will and man having free will is not like a free for all and you can do anything. The, co the, the competing worldview among world class atheistic philosophers is you have no free will choice and you're predetermined. They're worse Calvinists and worse predeterminants than any Christian. Yeah, it's, I mean, personally, I, I don't I, I'm not exactly sure where I stand on free will. Um I think there's a number of factors, you know, the, I mean, where the product of both nature and nurture, uh, and then also, I mean, yeah, it is, you know, when you think about it, if it's all chemicals, 
you know, if you could rewind all the way back to the Big Bang and press play, you know, is it all, uh, is it all just one long chemical domino effect from there? Uh, just cause and effect, you know, just an unfolding, um, you know what I mean? Um, can a person really choose to do this or that, or is there just the illusion of free will? And we're just being puppeteered by our genes, uh, the chemical reactions within us, uh, our past experiences, etc. I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I don't know. Was. Well, I'm not talking about any of them. I'm like, I'm just giving my own specific okay. point of view. Sure, on sure. It. You, you, you. sure. So, so, so more miscarriages happen than abortions. And let's let, let's take the free will thing into account. Let's say a woman gets pregnant. She has every uh, intention of taking care of herself and having a baby, but she has a miscarriage. Sure. Did God cause that to happen? I assume so. Okay. So <laughs> oh, and, and unfortunately, that does happen a lot. There's a lot of people who are actually look looking, you know, couples who look forward to having a baby or even a, a single mother to be who looks forward to, to being a mother or whatever. And uh, they're struck with the horrible misfortune, you know, of having a miscarriage. And yeah, if everything's predestined, then God did. God is the great abortionist in the sky, in a sense. So God, God does more abortions yeah. than humans. You think God's huh. against killing babies? Have you read a, the Bible? A, a, mis, a miscarriage <laughs> is different than an abortion. Uh, if you look at what a miscarriage is, it is it is a natural thing that happens. One in five of all pregnancies become miscarriages. It's a natural abortion. Whereas 50% of blacks are aborted in New York by human hand. I mean, that's what it is, though, right? I mean, the, uh, the pregnancy was literally aborted naturally by natural causes that is these are healthy babies that are killed by human hand there's a difference there do you see the difference yeah one's killed by god yeah well don't god you think god do would know better i mean i see the point ben's making i mean the morality of abortion aside and i've often said that i have a similar view on abortion as that of Christopher Hitchens, even though I'm a non-believer, I do believe in the concept of an unborn life. That being said, I think um, women should be free to choose uh, whether or not they carry a baby to term or not. Um, uh, I'm very pro-choice. Okay. Than humans? I don't know, but I mean, God, God made mankind. He can kill who he kills. I don't have, my argument isn't with God. My argument was with people. Right. So, so th that's another thing about if God is real, he's. Yeah. He and sorry if this is getting annoying how often I'm pausing it, but I just wanted to add the caveat to that. Although I am very, very pro-choice, obviously I think most people on both sides of the political divide would agree that. Um, abortions aren't inherently a quote-unquote good thing um, in that I, I think the life-affirming choice to have a child is something that should be celebrated. And for most people, abortion isn't, you know, a cause for celebration. And I, as I said in another episode recently, I think, you know, Christians kind of have this, you know, this this kind of ugly idea that having an abortion isn't a big deal to the person having one. I'm sure having an, an abortion 
is is hardest most of all for the woman having one i i can't imagine that's an easy decision to make but anyway he's a horrible person because he doesn't even hold himself to the standard he holds all of a us horrible to. person he or her deity. is a horrible say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> horrible person excellent deity um but that that is true though and and a lot of christians will try to say gotcha you know when they catch a non-believer characterizing god with a personality trait or something like that saying oh it's not that you don't believe that god exists it's that you you hate god or you're mad at him or something like that or you don't approve of his his behavior or whatever um but no as a non when non-believers when we use arguments like that we're saying you know hypothetically if God, if this God of yours did exist, your particular concept of God, um, if the God of the Bible, if, if maybe I'll even be as so bold as to say a personal creator God in general, if there's a personal creator God, well, especially the one, the Bible, when you consider all some of the kind of, um, kind of upsetting and barbaric things that transpire by God's will, in the Bible, whether it be the, the, the Noachian flood, the great deluge, or, um, uh, the, the God commanded genocides and things like that, you know, was it the, the example Christopher Hitchin always used to use, uh, the, the Midianites? Um, well, and I think the more literally you take the Bible, the more ugly God becomes or his behavior becomes, at least if you think that some of the, the stories in the Bible are meant to be taken figuratively, then you could kind of let God off the hook to some degree, such as uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac, the binding of Isaac. I've talked about that before. How I think it just like, as far as storytelling, it's a very powerful story, uh, as is the story of Job. But if you take either of those stories literally, I mean, that puts God in a very bad light. But I remember uh, there's a rabbi I used to always watch, Rabbi David Volpe or Wolpe. Uh, he was often a guest commentator or whatever on that old A&E series, Mysteries of the Bible. And I always used to love listening to David Wolpe or Volpe. And uh, he used to talk about how the story of Abraham and Isaac wasn't to be, in his, according to him, in his opinion, wasn't meant to be taken literally. It, it's a uh, an allegory about or, or, or against human sacrifice. It's about the transition being made from human sacrifice to animal sacrifice or, or, or you know, symbolic uh, sacrifice or whatever. And, and, you know, maybe that's a reflection of monotheism growing out of polytheism and eventually making that move away from human sacrifice. But yeah, when you take these stories, literally, God looks very, very bad. And yeah, if you believe in a God who's pretty... If you, and yeah, if you believe in a personal creator God, um, and you believe that everything's already been predetermined, then yeah, that puts God in a bad light too, because then you have uh, God as cosmic abortionist, etc. Um, hey, hey, if, if, if God's horrible all of a sudden, gender. it might be a she. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just to be, I, I'm only saying like if a mountain falls down on a man, did God cause it? And you have to say like, well, I mean, God saw everything before the beginning of time and he made all these, these cause and effect 
molecules bashing into each other. And yeah, a mountain fell down on a guy and he died or a, a tsunami happened through purely natural causes. And all these people got wiped out. I, I don't count that as the same or the Bible doesn't count that as the same as what the definition of murder is. The definition of murder is to take another innocent person's life with malice. That's um, I think once again, he's engaging in cognitive gymnastics here because if, if a God, if a personal creator God does exist and everything is predetermined and he either allows or, you know, even worse, wrote the script directly decided upon everything that will happen um then in a in a sense he he is this this cosmic murderer <laughs> uh it's a pretty scary thing to think about okay it's different than uh i think than physical cause and effect of but, mountains and god but, but did murders, command hold murders. on hold on hold on and god did command the israelites to murder people correct he did absolutely, he and did. it was okay. But murder is okay in self-defense, right? This wasn't self-defense, uh, but it's, it's not. Here's here's the definition, guys: is murder yeah. is unjustified killing. Okay. So when God, the Creator of life, has the ability to take life, yeah. he's he's justified in it. So it can't be murder; it, it is killing. So when he has someone go and kill someone, he's killing them. It's not murder. But he didn't murder his own son. It's not it's, unjustified. Uh, it would probably seem like murder to the person who's on the wrong edge of the sword, I would imagine. Um, and it kind of paints God in this this rather lurid light of this great patriarchal figure in the sky, you know, playing around with human lives like toy soldiers. Oh, well, I don't like the way they're acting, so I'm going to have this group go and kill this group living breathing human beings okay so justified killing is okay uh wouldn't yeah. it be self-defense to kill something that was growing in your stomach like isn't that terribly intrusive yeah. like i mean if you could make a self-defense argument then yes it would be justified so my point is uh self-defense for instance if there's a tubal pregnancy that will kill both the child and the mom then even every pro-lifer says that is a justified removal of the kid because then you have one person dead instead of two. Okay. That's interesting. And that's that's actually a pretty uh, reasonable take there. I don't know if, if he's right when he says that that's a common stance among pro-lifers. I don't know. That would be news to me. And that would actually be... Uh, you know, put them in a slightly, slightly better light in my eyes. Uh, that's a pretty reasonable stance. Is how the metric works on the pro-life side. There's a lot of math here. I, I just thought it was about killing yeah. kids. Mike, I, know, I didn't <laughs> want to push you guys into a math class. So, so yeah. we, abortion, we covered uh, young earth creationism and evolution. Yeah. Let's go back to talking about small dicks. Um, <laughs> and, and, we, and, we, and we did gay marriage, too. That's a lot of, that's a lot of acreage we've covered. You know, we, we didn't really get that. I, I just said, hey, whatever. If, if you don't like gay marriage, then you don't like it. I mean, like, yeah. how, how can I really argue with someone's opinion on something? I, I can't. I, I mean... Um, all I'm saying is when we ended black slavery, we ended it. We didn't just make white people slaves, too. So if the gay marriage was a, was a problem because straight people were doing it, then nobody should have been allowed to do it. 
That's it. Why did we make every? Why did we make everyone slaves? Abolish so you're marriage. against all marriage, Dick. You're against I'm, all marriage. Uh, I'm no. I'm only against marriage for me. <laughs> Dick, <laughs> we're gonna change that. Dick, we're gonna make you a believer. You're gonna turn it around. Uh, Nick and I are working on a conspiracy against you. I just want you to know. Yeah, married guys are a cult. I know you got to get everybody in, and you got catalogs. You got to get everybody in khaki shorts. That's right. We're handing out <laughs> our pamphlets. A uniform. Pamphlets at the strip club. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mikey Metalhead said, glad to see actual discourse instead of yelling, shouting, and getting nothing done like the yeah. degenerate youth, except. That, I, I mean, yeah, as, as I think I was kind of, you know, I've been alluding to this whole time i, I think it, it is nice that they're not shouting at each other as outrageous from my point of view as some of the things uh doug has been saying on me of oh, course we, oh we can do we can do that too yeah <laughs> huh. yeah uh ryan himself sent in uh, a, a very edgy question Ooh. ask doug if the illuminati is really just the jews what <laughs> No, there is no Illuminati. There is, uh, I don't believe in any conspiracies whatsoever in, in general, because I don't believe people are capable of keeping secrets. Well, yeah, the more okay. people now, you have in on a, on a secret, the harder it is to keep. So these vast conspiracies. That's yeah, why but only I mean, that's 33... assuming Jews are people. Isn't that kind of <laughs> kidding? I'm, I'm kidding. It, it is being how, generous. How is, how is Israel, by the way, sir. Dick? Oh. It was wonderful, dude. Uh, Israel is like it's like L.A., but the people are more beautiful. Why in the oh, hell did you go to Israel? <laughs> I went to Burning Man. I went to Burning Man in Israel. My friend. There was uh, this, a Burning Man in Israel. Yeah, there's a Burning Man in there's the Nevada one that everybody knows about. Um, and is then there's Burning Man in, is it like a burning bush. What is it? <laughs> no, it's it's uh it's smaller. It's a little bit smaller. Uh, it's burning much... Man like four feet tall. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's a lot of talking bushes there. That's normal for them. I didn't know that before. Like, I thought that was cool because I only heard the one about the Bible. But there, every street, there's a talking... Schmidt, $1. Chat not being able to hear dissenting... There was a very, very obvious edit. Uh, <laughs> I think I just caught myself while I was first editing this uh, this full episode, which is I think was at least two hours long or something. And I was like, they're talking about Burning Man now. Maybe I should uh, stop this. Without spurging out or taking it personally, make me, uh, make me rage. We'll never no. know the answers. Every point of view is as valid as it is meaningless. Get over <laughs> yourselves. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, I, I, there's this kind of nihilistic or postmodernist thing where the every point of view is is equal uh, or whatever. Um, I don't know if that counts as nihilism, but you know what I mean? Almost thinking like everything is uh, equal and in how inconsequential it is or whatever, but I don't know. But no, I think if you have religion on the one hand and science, I mean, if you have a religious-based worldview on the one hand and a scientific worldview on the other, those are not equal. One is based on faith, suspension of disbelief. One is based on the scientific method, empirical evidence. Uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding. We have all the all these great inventions, medical breakthroughs, uh, this great repository of knowledge we've we've uh, accumulated. Um, no, you can't simply say that 
a religious-based point of view is on equal footing with a point of view or a worldview based on solid science. I think attempting to know the answers is... It uh, is true. Like, I'll have people on and, you know, as long as you don't say something they vehemently disagree with, they'll like you. But then they turn on you just in an instant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, we... That's why I I, I vehemently disagree with you, all you guys, but um, I'm cool with all you guys because I I dig other people and I wish we could all have cigars Mm -hmm. right now, but... I read an article on it once. Another uh, place somewhere. <laughs> Inartful. That's all you edit. need to know. All right, I'm gonna read some more of these here. Uh, where did I leave off? Okay, Schmidt, one dollar. Yeah, I like hearing all these two dollars and five dollar chats. That's like that's low rent when I'm on the show. I mean, <laughs> guys, come on, throw down, get something really offensive, and bump up the dollar value here. This isn't cool. Uh, if we you got, want me back on the show, you better you better bump it up. We got a $10 one. It says, so if God creates a disease or a virus and you or your loved ones get it, would you let yourself and them die from it, It, even if a cure does exist because it's God's will if you get it? That's <laughs> like the Christian because, science worldview. Yeah, right yeah that, that is, it is like Christian science. science. Of like no medicine. No. I also believe that God gave us medicine and a mind to craft these things and try and fight them on our own too. See, even though I'm a non-believer, I, I do find certain approaches to religion to be refreshing. Um, like I was talking about earlier, the, the idea that you know you can be a you can be someone who believes in a higher power. You can even be a Christian and still also believe in evolution. Um, you can be a religious person and and believe that it's perfectly fine to embrace modern medicine. In fact, you should to keep yourself and your children healthy and alive. Uh, and, and, the, and the rationale for a religious person there, as Doug just displayed, would be God gave us all these plants and a brain to be able to formulate medicines and, and whatnot and medical technology. Uh, of course, you know, we should use it. Um I actually, I actually admire that, and uh, it, it's a big breath of fresh air when contrasted with something as dark and ignorant and dangerous as uh, the Christian Science approach or something like that. And I'm, I'm praying. For so, which my, medicine is more natural than weed? <laughs> we're back on weed already. Because oh, we're yeah. talking about medicine that God <laughs> gave us. If you believe in God, what, what drug is more natural than weed? You literally Prayer. pick it. Prayer, you fucking yeah, loser. Yeah, prayer. Listen to this guy. He suddenly like everything comes down to weed to like weed acts. So, like, dude, weed answer to everything, bro. I got a bro. I didn't say it was nudes. the answer to everything. Send me some news. Yeah, Maybe I got the cancer. Yeah, the weed. Yeah. Smoke a stinky Give bowl. Give me some placebo head, like, please. After a while, like this. Uh, I've had a couple of really bad experiences on weed. I had that one experience where. uh I turned it into an episode uh, a couple of years back, maybe a few years back, where I took a really powerful bong hit. And I don't have a lot of experiences with bongs. And it was at a Christmas party. And I ended up blacking out, puking, collapsing, uh, full-blown crazy paranoia. Um, felt like I was caught in this crazy time loop that I could never escape. I thought it was I was either going to die or go insane. And then I had a, 
I think I had another experience off of edibles where I was having this kind of uh, where I had this episode of like disassociation or just felt really kind of like questioning reality and, and kind of like a, a paranoid type of thing. Uh, luckily, I think I was able to kind of talk myself through that one and actually people on the outside didn't seem to be able to tell that anything was wrong with me. I remember holding like prolonged conversations where the other person seemed fine, but I was like inside internally, I'm trying to like hold on to reality, you know, for dear life. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, that being said, I still think, yeah, pot should be legalized. And obviously that seems to be the trend now. Um, If you want to smoke dope, all right, more power to you. And uh, usually, you know, I'll go to the parties where there's dope present and sometimes almost like out of social pressure or just so I don't feel uh, too much removed and on the outside, I'll take a hit or two or whatever. And um, sometimes then I'll end up regretting it because I just don't think I'm really wired for pot. Different people react differently to different substances. Um, and usually, you know, I'll, I'll maybe engage in like a hit or two of pot because... I want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be rude and or kind of be the party pooper or whatever and wave my hand at the joint, you know. But then it's always a gamble. Sometimes I like the feeling. Other times, even off of a small amount of pot, I can end up feeling kind of introverted and locked inside myself and ironically end up feeling less social, you know. Uh, But anyway enough of that my couch like whoa man weird (laughs) i'm like dude go out and get a job they're like weird man all right okay so so on on god it's like um i don't believe god is the causative hand of evil i do believe that that ultimately all evil is under his purview that is he he knows what's going to (laughs) happen we're horrified by these things so, I mean, once again, if he's the author of creation, he knows everything that's going to happen. Um, and this horrible evil was baked into the cake that he he made, you know, written into the script. Um, then, essentially, I mean, essentially, he is responsible, even if it's uh, other characters carrying out the evil. Happening, and he um, somehow is um, transcendent in suffering. Did God create Satan? Yes, he did. Okay. I mean, he he had, right? There's nothing outside of his purview that he didn't create. It doesn't mean he's the causative hand of evil. He could have given Satan the free will to become Satan. Technically, he could have given every man the free will to do as he pleased. And they might touch on this. I don't remember. But yeah, Satan in the Old Testament, completely different character. Satan is Hebrew for uh, what? The um, the adversary or the accuser, almost like God's prosecuting attorney. Uh, totally different than the uh, bestial ruler of uh, the, the underworld that we think of. Um, but yeah, God, once again, if, if it's everything's predetermined, predestined then everything, even things that appear to be choices of free will, are ultimately part of God's plan, part of his design. Uh, So the onus, the responsibility for Satan's rebellion, 
or whatever it would, uh, Lucifer's Rebellion. And that one day I have to do a whole episode, like a documentary episode on the devil. Um, because although Christians try to reference a certain story in the Old Testament, is it in Isaiah? I forget about the morning star, the fall of this, you know, prominent figure as the roots of the, the story of Lucifer, this rebellious angel. Um, that's not spelled out clearly in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Satan is just a member of God's court, uh, his who has a role to kind of put people to the test, you know, as in the case of uh, Job or whatever. Um, yeah, but I'd, I'd like to do a documentary on the the evolution, so to speak, no pun intended, of Satan and where our kind of modern concept of Satan uh, comes from. Uh, I, I, partly, I think it was influenced by uh, by Greek paganism. Of course, early Christianity um, blossomed in the Greco-Roman world. Um, so the idea of Satan as this bestial pan-like figure or, or something like that. Um, this romantic idea of Satan having been Lucifer, this beautiful... Uh, rebellious fallen angel. Um, a lot of this stuff just developed along the way. This is like some guy who like grabs four women and chains them up in his basement for 11 years, that goon that did that. And you go, uh, like, Where is God? God, God Where's... realized. Or... That's actually an awesome question. Where was God? And I remember that story too. That, that really messed with me. That was a really dark, depressing story. There's that guy. Was his last name Castro? I forget his last name. I think he might have been Cuban-American or something. But uh, he had kept four women locked in his basement for like, what was it, 10 years or something? Uh, awful. One of them ended up giving uh, childbirth and captivity. is one of the darkest stories I ever heard. But yeah, I mean, where was God if he you know, really did exist? If there's a personal creator God who can intervene, who predetermined all this, who is the author of all creation, etc. Yeah, where's God and things like that. And uh, I think Hitchens used to often use the example, a similar example of a German father who kept his daughter prisoner in a basement and ended up fa fathering a, a daughter with his daughter, with his own daughter. Just disturbing stuff. Was too overpowered, so he developed the Satan patch. <laughs> He patched the system, Satan he patched. developed Satan, made yeah. things a little more equal. Yeah. I, I only know that when you and I get angry at the universe, we will tend to default on some kind of universal judgment of evil. And I don't think you can make that, that universal judgment of e evil based on purely material claims. That is the... No, I completely disagree. I think, once again, this can be explained by the fact that we're evolved social animals. And part of being a social animal is, you know, being wired for things like group cooperation, empathy, altruism. But, of course, there's also, you know, the whole in-group, out-group dynamic, the uh, capacity for violence and tribalism, too. Um but I don't think you have to believe in some objective morality in a religious sense to explain 
why we feel outraged at quote-unquote evil or when people harm other people over, you know, uh, atrocities and injustice and things like that. Um, I think it's probably just as simple as that we're wired to care. That also nurture is a factor too, nature and nurture. Uh, I think we're wired with the capacity to care as social animals. And then also society reinforces the idea that we should care, you know, which I think is a very good thing. Um, and we get outraged or we, we become distressed when we see harmful behavior um, being inflicted on others or when we see even a member of another species suffering. Uh, as a dog owner and you fellow dog owners out there, you can think about when you hear your dog whimper in pain or when you see a dog give you that sad look when you're leaving the house. Um, we're wired. We're emotional creatures, you know. All right. Idea that like there's cause and effects in the particle universe that can cast judgment on something bad. In the end, you have miracle. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, miracles. Molecules in the shape of of men raping molecules in the shape of babies and women. That reminds me of uh, there's that argument that you hear a lot of theists uh, make. Uh, Christian apologists, etc. Uh, they use that term. I've heard the same term used repeatedly, molecules in motion, if we're just molecules in motion. Um, and I guess from a scientific materialist point of view, in a sense, yeah, that's what all of it is, molecules in motion. Um, but there is mind, consciousness, emotion, and these things are kind of, you say they're, they're byproducts of uh, or emergent properties of being a meat creature, you know. But you could say they're kind of uh, these intangible, abstract kind of concepts or uh, experiences. Um, you know, you can't physically touch an, emo an emotion or a thought or whatever. And not T-H-O-T thought, regular thought. But uh, you'll get that joke if you listen to the last episode. Um, even if we are molecules in motion, we still experience emotion, thought, aware, awareness. Um, we do have a moral sense, as I just explained. I think it's most likely that's a byproduct of evolution. And for our own good and the good of others, we should try to do what's right, what, you know, try to promote good instead of harm. Um, so the molecules in motion argument, it's like, yeah, maybe that's the case. Maybe all, all it is is a big chemical soup, you know, and uh, when you die, you die and that's it. Maybe that's pretty grim. And you could say, well, it's all futile then. What's what's the point of any of it? But if we have this experience, you know, we're kind of wired to want to live, you know. Um, I guess you could fall down and, and say, what's the use of any of it? Might as well just put a gun to my temple if uh, none of it matters in the end. But we're alive here and now, and that's something. And I think we're wired to want to survive, to, to see the next day rather than just give in and not care. And I think we should do our best to care while we're here. And, and if it is just all uh, molecules in motion, tough. Maybe that's just the way it is. Um, 
if the truth is is dark and hard to swallow, that doesn't mean by default that that God is real because the truth is too horrible to face, uh, or that you should I embrace a lie or whatever. You know, if the truth is horrible, it's horrible. And you're just like your molecules on molecules, and the meaning behind it, you're gonna have to start constructing some giant universal overview of all those things. It's gonna start looking a whole lot like God. Well, how many babies uh, were and killed? I'm just going to the source of God, just going, fine, he's a person, and he cast judgment, and we broke his laws. I wonder how many babies were killed during Noah's flood that God caused. Well, that was interesting. It almost seemed like he was kind of flirting with pantheism there. You know, he was saying that. Well, maybe, you know, you look at the complexity, the intricacies of everything, and uh, maybe in a sense that's God. Then you're moving towards a kind of pantheistic notion of God, maybe like Spinoza or Einstein's God. God as the universe, as this kind of uh, nature or whatever. A ton. Yeah. <laughs> but think of how many fucking yeah. cool animals we Man. Saved. That, that was actually an awesome response, a ton. And once again, you know, some people take, even believers, take the the Noah story literally. Uh, some don't. They, they look at it as one of those things that's probably more figuratively. That's probably meant to be taken more figuratively. And, of course, you know, there's the, uh, the, the predecessor of the biblical flood, the Noachian flood. In Mesopotamian religion, ancient Mesopotamian religion, you have... Um, the the Atrahasis, you have the, the the flood account that's found in uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Okay, God, for being against abortion, God has a pretty bad track record. Look, God created <laughs> humans; he can fucking ant oh. farm all he wants. Okay, and see, Billy's kidding there; he's being sarcastic. But that, I've heard Christians espouse that view that, hey. You know, God made life so he can end life. I'm like, that's fucking dark, man. That's that's cool. I'll shake that fucking but, ant farm if I if I built that. That's what I'm saying. It's like God. Yeah, and see, he actually agrees. And, and Billy was just being sarcastic. God has the authority to do what he wants. So what will man do is the well, big okay. question. You know what? You what can have you can have the authority and still not do fucking deplorable things. But God still yep. did it anyway. So why the, why should I worship him? I, Fair enough. That's actually a good philosophical point or question, too, is like, let's say for the sake of argument, this God was real. Should you, in good judgment, still worship him based on his, uh, his, his behavior or deeds? And I think that's something I used to say on the show a lot back in the early days that, you know, I had my rational reasons for not believing that God exists. And if the God of the Bible does exist... And, you, you know, in the context of taking the Bible literally, that's a deity that doesn't deserve to be worshipped. It's a piece uh, of shit. I, I don't think you have to. I, wow. My, my argument then by is that you could worship no other. There is nothing better. Fine. Tell yeah. me something better. Nothing better than the person who committed. Well, I think Ben was about to make a good point there, but I was going to say, there's all different concepts of God. You can believe in a higher power without believing in a literal interpretation of the Old Testament God. Did global genocide on the earth? Yeah, You're nitpicking God now, Ben. Tells, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tells us okay, not to so do all these things, but does them all himself. Yes, but, it, but Ben, a, a, a baby dies of cancer in its mother's arm. 
in his mother's arms and you have no arm. recourse. There is no moral uh, justification for your outrage against that. It's just particles. And that's such a stupid argument. And that goes to what I just said. It's it's like, yeah, maybe there is no high, it could very well be the case. There's no higher power. This is all just cosmic happenstance, molecules and motion. But even if we are, you know, made of molecules, we're molecules capable of awareness and emotion and thought and caring. And um, just if the, if there's not a God to shake your fist at, nothing but the blind heavens, I mean, so what? Maybe that's the case. Um, we could still care for one another. We can still try to help each other get through our grief and help each other soldier on. Um, whether or not you want to believe in a God, if that helps you get through the day, I mean, that's up to you. But yeah, the fact that there's suffering and that, you know, we want to cry to the heavens or shake our fist when something goes wrong, horribly wrong. That's not evidence or proof for the actual existence of God. So you have to shrug. You can either shrug as a sociopath or you can show your... No, no, you don't. Uh, you can doubt the existence of a higher power and still feel the pain of loss and feel moved by the loss of others. Um, a lot of atheists, I think a part of partly why they're atheists it is on moral grounds, not just because they have rational scientific reasons for why they don't believe in the existence of God. But as Ben's kind of saying, you know, if you look at the God of the Old Testament and take that interpretation, take those stories literally, it doesn't paint a portrait of a nice guy and or, you know, a very fair or loving or emotionally balanced guy. Um, and a lot of atheists, you know, we reject that stuff on moral grounds. And a lot of atheists are humanists. We believe in, in, in people and being good and, and trying to help others. So trying to draw some kind of line between human suffering and atheism, or saying that if you don't believe in God, you have to be apathetic. It's absolutely absurd and insulting. Anger at that situation, go, you know, my anger is real, and that situation is actually bad, and you're going to have to call in some kind of a moral God to bring down that judgment. No. Why? Why? If a baby dies, why do you have to call down God for judgment, to enact some kind of judgment? Shouldn't, and actually, that, that's one of those cases where you can actually be judging God, at least if, if you believe in a personal creator God, specifically one like the Yahweh of the Bible. Um, I actually, you can feel plenty of, I mean, I think there's plenty of pathos in, maybe even more so in experiencing suffering and being of the mind that there isn't a God. Because you realize that there's no big daddy in the sky to cradle you or to promise everything's going to be all right in the next world. Uh, there's, there's just here and now and and, and having to, to soldier through. Um, and I think it takes a certain kind of moral courage or fortitude to be of the mind, you know, that there is most likely no God and still say, I want to be good. 
I want to do good and I want to be there for other people. I don't think you need God to be good or to be a, a moral being capable of emotion and tenderness and care for others. It doesn't philosophically match up. Otherwise, it's just like, yeah, yeah, you feel really bad about those particles shaped like human beings that got mashed up in cancer and got raped and then died. And you do not have a philosophical justification to judge it. Yeah, there is no philosophical justification in the sense. I agree with that in the sense that, okay, let's say, you know, like myself, you're a non-believer. You don't believe that dead babies go to heaven or that everything's going to be all right at the end of time or whatever. Um, or in the end. Yeah, it doesn't make it. It doesn't. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right that these horrible things happen. Uh, but I think adding God into the mix, the idea of a God into, into the mix can just end up making things even more convoluted or, or confused or illogical then you have to try to reconcile the idea of a just loving all-knowing god or or maybe not maybe he's not even loving maybe just a god and all-knowing god most likely right that's most people believe in a personal god believe that he's omniscient omnipotent etc um you have to try to reconcile that with all the evil that happens all, all the bad that ha befalls people at least from an atheistic point of view, you're not blaming daddy. You know, you're just realizing this is horrible stuff that happens to us as aware flesh and blood organisms. Uh, it's part of doing business on planet Earth. And uh, it sucks. You can't undo it. But the least we can do is continue to be social animals and be there for each other and try to make the best out of this fleeting time we have together. Where's your judgment come from? Create judgment a God comes from learning what works when we yeah, work but, together yeah, in good, a society. Good changed, it changed nothing. What do you mean right? it changed nothing? Well, in, in a way, I don't want to be sound too negative because I actually do consider myself to be a fairly positive person. Wasn't always the case. But I think the older the get but I think the older I get, the more positive I steadily become. And it's just because I, I think, you know, in a way life really is like a veil of tears. You can look at it as like this meat, gr cosmic meat grinder we all get put through. And uh, our time is limited, but you can either curl up in a ball and cry and wait to die, or you can try to be positive, make the best out of the situation, and enjoy this experience of existing while you have it. You know what I mean? And I'd be lying if I said, yeah, it, it, that it wasn't a little daunting, the idea that in the end, you know, it probably is just lights out. But still, if it's a choice between lying down and giving up, or making the best out of your life. I think you should try and make the best out of your life. And there's also poetic ways to look at the whole big picture too. Um, that we're all part of what you know Richard Dawkins called the greatest show on earth. You know, where we're a part of this whole unfolding cosmic drama or whatever it is. We have our 
brief time in the sun, then it's gone, then it's time for others. And uh, eventually, maybe even the universe itself will have its end, you know? Um, you can find more positive, life-affirming, poetic ways to look at the whole thing. You don't necessarily have to look at it as a veil of tears. But of course, yeah, life does entail suffering. But that that's not proof of the existence of a god. Or just because believing in a god might somehow make it more tolerable, that isn't proof of, of a god's existence. It didn't change anything. You judge it. You're like, look, this is my little tiny... Uh, small, I'm, I'm going to judge the world. I'm going to put God on trial and I judge him. And now what? Then, um, didn't a group of Jews actually do that in the wake of World War II, in the wake of the Holocaust? They actually, I believe that's actually true. Uh, I forget that'd be an interesting thing to do a documentary on one of those brief little documentaries. Um, there actually was a court held where they put God on trial symbolically at least or whatever it's just you like arguing against the particles i don't uh, ben, i don't understand what the fuck you're talking about with the i'm yeah, arguing yeah, okay. with particles <laughs> well well give me the give me the i kind of i understand what doug's saying that's like an apologist argument that i've seen time and time again or heard time and time again but i also understand ben's frustration because you know, there must be God, otherwise we're all just particles. And obviously we're made of, we're composed of particles. But that doesn't change the fact that we're aware and we think and feel. Um, what are we supposed to say? Oh, there's no God, let's just turn off our emotions and be particles, you know? We're emotional, aware beings. thing that is above the particles of the universe, because I'm, I'm fine with you, we're in agreement there's particles here. I'm saying, where do you get the ought, the moral ought, of your of your judgment we against make... uh because once again we're evolved social animals with a moral sense we make, we make decisions based on what's good for the preservation of the species and uh civilization and sometimes we've had to learn this over time what's good for us and what's not it wasn't just handed to us and I do but, believe morality is subjective. Okay, it's subjective. So who cares, right? In the end, you die. You're, no, you're, no, no, no. I do care. I care while I'm here. I'm care. I care about about exactly. things being good for people while I'm here. Yeah, but you get eighty I, years here, and Hitler beats off while you die, and who cares? At the end, there's no heaven. Hitler beats off while I die. That's quite the plot. There's twist. no judgment. There's no ultimate moral law. So all of this is an illusion. So, I see so now you're talking now. my language. I I love it up, I love this illusion idea. This is the mad Yeah, there he says, give it up. Okay, so it's like if your reason leads you to the conclusion to the conclusion that there's most likely not a higher power, you should just give up on life. Come on, man, that is dark. Magic I wanna see. I want. I, I just want to stare guy. Hitler into the fucking piss hole as he's jerking it, and be like, "Yeah, man, I live for this. Yes, this sir. is my life. I saw Hitler's dick stare me down like a fucking pit bull eating mayonnaise. I don't give a fuck." Billy Hitler has the same end as all of us. All right, you die and become worm food, whoa, worm whoa, food, whoa, and whoa, I die whoa. and become worm food, and all this say, supernatural stuff about the afterlife is a big illusion. Say what you so want about Hitler. 
Say what you want about Hitler, but he was the only man in history to kill Adolf Hitler. Right. I care more about what <laughs> happens <laughs> here it's than true. what happens in he some was, bullshit he was at least afterlife. A bigger, bigger man than most of the rest of the earth. <laughs> so, um, any cool cartoons on television these days? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. None that I watch anyway. Okay, entertain yourself. So I have to go pee. Hold All on. Right. All right. Wow. Now they're going to talk about him behind oh, his back. Guys, I just, just want to say that I hate kittens and I hate puppies. I always have. If they make me angry, I think they're evil. Well, hold on, Dick, because that's unfair. Evolution proves that kitties turn into cats and puppies turn into dogs. So Don't care. Fuck. Let's get rid of them. That's wow. Whoa, there's the meds pads with an awesome... Um, an awesome comment in the chat again. The afterlife is the five to seven minute long DMT trip we go we go on after brain death. Well said. I, I actually might subscribe to the meds pads because I'm, I'm I'm digging the cut of her jib. My plat. That's what I believe. Wow. It's so hard to actually try to argue a point when Billy has this weird thing where he where automatically... Where I like to be entertaining? Well, no, 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 no. No, that's fine. No, no, you... This isn't even about being entertaining. This is about you automatically take the unpopular opinion and you just, like, double down on it over well, and over. See? See what I'm talking about? Even though um they, they've said in the past that the tension between them is just... uh it, it's It's to make the show more interesting or entertaining... You can tell Bill, uh, Bill, yeah, Ben does get kind of tired uh, of uh, Billy being a, 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 contrar a contrarian. Did I just swear? A contrarian all the time. Over and over again. Because it's funny. <laughs> no, here's the thing, right? Like, there's magic a brew. God is magic. Why would you argue against magic? It doesn't make sense to argue yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, so I get what Billy's saying there. He's kind of insinuating that if someone believes in magical stuff and they've suspended their disbelief, it's almost futile to argue the, argue with them. But I think when people are promoting this stuff publicly, you have to try to be the voice of re You don't have to, but it's nice to be the voice of reason and to try to debunk what they're saying and... Uh, bring logic reason and science to the conversation <laughs> i'm like i'm like okay like, uh you you believe that they're the six thousand years old that's cool what, what else do you believe in that maybe i can identify with i'm not gonna sit and argue about fucking folklore or whatever the christians said existed <laughs> folklore. yeah I, I do agree with that uh but at some point, uh, when you talk to people, it's 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 just gonna be running around in circles i'll tell you, know? you what uh, i'll tell you what i'll tell you what though yeah. That is very true, though. It, I mean, even, you know, you can watch debates between theists and atheists, and a lot of times it just does turn to this frustrating, everything devolves into this frustrating, circular, pissing match. I'll tell you what, if I, if I just sat there and didn't say anything, there'd be like 2,000 fucking comments. Oh my god, why did you let him look? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Now, and you know what the, the funny thing is, those same people that, are, that would bitch about it are the same people bitching that it was even discussed at all. If there's an infinite afterlife, there's no meaning Bad to the first again. century. If there's no afterlife, this one life is all that counts. Well, that's not true because if there isn't... That, that, I think I get what that person was saying in the comments, but that was a weird way to word it. There's no 
meaning to to a first century because it sounds like they're referring to the first century AD or common era but they might be saying that you know a hundred year span um or I don't know I don't know what they're saying actually but they made the the positive life affirming point that you know it's it's here and now that counts afterlife and you have to fucking earn your way in and this one's pretty important right like if the, the whole the whole that is a good devil's advocate argument that for the sake for the sake of argument is if there is an afterlife it makes uh it makes sense that you would want to care about this life and and do your best to try to assure your place in that infinite you know that eternal existence to come what you do in this life is pretty darn important if if the, if it determines you, your fate in uh in the eternal life to come um, but yeah, I think that's neither here nor there. You know, if you're a decent human being anyways, I mean, even if you don't believe in a God, you should still be doing your best to treat people right, etc. Um, and if God wants you to do things that go against your conscience to ensure your spot in a life to come, then, you know, once again, not a God worth worshiping. But I think I'm going to leave it there. Wow. Wow. I, I, what I predict that this, I certainly ain't no Nostradamus, Nostradamus maybe, what I predict that this was going to be like uh, an hour and 20 minutes or something, this is going to be at least a couple of hours after editing, so maybe I'll turn this into uh, this upcoming week's episode. Thank you for listening or watching, uh, brothers and sisters. I'm not even. I'm so tired. I'm not even gonna bother with all the plugging. If if you want to support the show, please do. <laughs> all right. Till next time.